Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. It's another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Silva, here on this Wednesday, February the 22nd. It's, it's a special edition of the show, we could call it. Of course, you can check out the show all the time at MetsMarizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and you can check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Hope everybody's doing well, and yes, I did not have a show on Sunday. Actually, one of the reasons why I didn't have a show on Sunday was that I had a chance to go to Barclays Center for the first time to watch the Islanders. I've been there before for a, a college basketball game. Now, I'm not going to get into that. That's, that's a whole separate thing, and although there's probably a lot of Islanders fans in the audience who are also Mets fans, I could go on probably a whole show rant about that place because there's so many things wrong about that place for hockey and it's just it's not my cup of tea and if you're a Long Islander just getting there is like probably your night but that's not what this is all about this is about the Mets and and what I actually said okay so you know not going to do the 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 show on Sunday let's take a let's take a little step back see what transpires over the next few days Sandy Alderson had a chance to talk that Terry Collins made his speech to the team and it was actually a good move because as you get into that first week and our prior show was the pitcher and catcher show, 
spring training can become quite monotonous. And, and I'll get into how that's dangerous because the media could start to create a lot of narratives and scenarios that are not exactly uh, what they may seem because you're trying to fill newspaper space, blogs, and, and all sorts of different things that, that go on now in media. So I'll get into that. Joining me in just a little bit, I'll have a chance to uh, have him call in from Port St. Lucie. We'll be Matt Eholt of The Record, Mets Beat Reporter. So Matt will join me. have a chance to talk to him and get a feel of what's going on down there. I have some questions for him. Again, very early. Not a ton going on, but some key things that I know we want to talk about. He had a chance to see Zach Wheeler throw off the mound, uh, on the mound today, actually, not off the mound. Had a chance to uh, take a look at Travis Darnot and how important of a spring he's having. So Matt Eholt will be joining me in just a few minutes. So where do I start off? What do I see here, and, and how do I feel about this team just a couple of weeks into this? First, if you're not positive about your baseball team, in, this, in, in February, before games have started, before spring games have started, you're going to have a long season. That's without a doubt. So, all right, let's start there. The thing that I will say is this, and I'm always, you know, maybe you want to call me harsh critic, uh, someone who's, who's not going to be a fanboy or Pollyannish, but I will say from a positive standpoint, I feel that the talk, or at least publicly, is a, far more productive this year than last year. Last year, the Mets were almost recovering, it seemed, from a long postseason run. And I've talked about this a billion times, if you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning. They talked about how long the season was, how they're still recovering, the pitchers had to go deep. And it was almost like they were bemoaning their plight. Meanwhile, you had teams like the Cubs from day one taking their loss to the Mets personally and using – that experience in 2015 as a rallying cry with a goal, we're going to bring this championship to Chicago. We're going to win the World Series. The Nationals, bitter about how 2015 ended, coming to spring training. Yeah, they had some new players. However, new manager, set a goal, and day one, pedal to the metal, they win the division. And in pretty easy fashion, may, may I say. And when they play the Mets, they pretty much early in the year set the tone where this is not going to be 2015. The Mets kind of, eh, let's play ourselves into shape, and yeah, they got off to a decent start, but you never felt good about this team. Even, no, yeah, they went 27-13 from August to the end of the year. That was somewhat surprising because you had a lot of guys that weren't expected to be on the team who had a lot to prove playing a big part in that, and that adds depth now to this year. But even then, you never felt this team was, was right. It was disjointed. And the end of the season was fun, but that wasn't really the blueprint that this was all about. Now, the Mets have gone out, and at the very least, and you could argue about payroll, and I understand you know, there's still a lot of people who are upset about where the Mets' payroll is. They're never going to be happy. And you're right. For a New York team, can the Mets have another 15 $20, million, maybe, uh, that they should, where they are, where their real estate are, should be part of it? Sure. But let's not get into that. I think the Mets have invested right now. I, I think they have a, a pretty solid roster, 1-25. to 25. I think they have some nice depth thanks to their drafting and thanks to some of the, the uh, you know, minor league signings. You have a couple interesting arms in camp, Tom Gorziani, uh, Ben Rowan, guys you wouldn't think of. I mean, those are the kind of guys that could make an impact this year, and those are basically what I would call scrap heap signings. So the, the organization has done a good job. They are committed, and Sandy Alderson has said they are committed to being all in. And it's only going to continue to get harder. The pitchers are going to get closer to free agency. 
The pitchers are going to get older. Uh, you know, they're going to have guys like Granderson and Bruce or me coming off of, of the payroll at the end of the year. David Wright, who knows what's going on with him. It's never, nothing's going to last forever. When you have a window to win, you have to seize it. At the very least, the Mets right now, this winner, appears to have seized it. Whether you believe they got lucky with the way the suspicious sweepstakes went, whether the, the, the relievers like Blevins and Salas fell their lap, doesn't matter. They're trying to seize it, and they're talking about seizing it. Collins is talking about it. Sandy Alderson is talking about it. They, they talk about how great the clubhouse character is. Everything that you have complained about or has been an issue since those collapses, since they lost in Game 7, the St. Louis Cardinals in 2006, seems to be coming together in a positive way for this team right now. All the things, the rebuilding program, the things that we're building up that led to that surprising run to the World Series, um, that now have, has, and with what, they, what transpired last year with how they overcame the adversity. And we talked about this in one of the last shows of the, of the season, right before the wild card game. It's starting to build a culture, a sustainable foundation. So you have to feel good about that. And now they're setting the expectations. There should be no one from whatever minor league invitee steps foot into that camp to guys like Cespedes and Wright. Everybody should know that within the scope of their responsibility, doesn't mean they have to love each other. doesn't mean they have to like every teammate. But within the scope of their responsibility, they have to put themselves in a position where their contribution is going to lead to the Mets potentially winning a championship. That's what it's about. It's, it's simple when you put it that way. But it's complicated because everybody has themselves to get in the way. Things get in the way. Life gets in the way. Baseball gets in the way. The disease of me gets in the way. Fear gets in the way. Right now, that's not the case in Mets camp. Right now, everything is about putting themselves, each individual player, in the best position. So when that bell rings in April, they're ready to rock and roll, and they're ready to compete at a high level. Now, let's see ownership continue to invest in this club. Let's see if they need a catcher come midseason if Darno falls flat in his face, if they try to go out and invest in that. Let's see if they need a starting pitcher or if they need another arm in the bullpen. Sandy Olsen's talking a good game. And look, last year, Jay Bruce, they went out and they got him. So, so far, you can't say that they're not investing. But ownership has to take part in that, too. And so far, they have. But I know that's always the big question mark in the background. So you have to feel good, and, and that was one of my big themes last year. It was a big theme a couple of weeks ago when we had the last podcast, the Pitchers and Catchers podcast. Now, from a standpoint of something that I think the Mets need to do, and it's really important, and not that Sandy Alderson or Terry Collins or Dan Worthen or anybody's going to listen to this podcast and give a rat's you know what. But if I am the Mets, the first thing that would concern me and it's very important, was the headline last week after Zach Wheeler felt some tenderness in his elbow. Think about this. Guy hasn't pitched in two years. Throws off the mound, he has tenderness in his, uh, his elbow. Oh, my God, it's a, it's a headline. I understand that the media's job is to report the news and obviously create a market for people to come and, and talk about what's going on with their favorite baseball team. But to have a headline on the newspaper, I think it was the New York Post that said, you know, after three days of serenity, you know, Zach, Zach Wheeler comes up with soreness in his elbow. Now it's over. I mean, guys, come on. That's, first of all, it's blowing tenderness in the elbow to an extreme, number one. Number two, with all due respect to Zach Wheeler, and it would not be good not to have him as an option in the rotation, but if he never throws a pitch 
for the 2017 Mets, I'm not decreasing their chances of winning the championship. He's a fifth starter who's competing with other arms for a fifth starter role. It doesn't matter they got it traded for Carlos Beltran. doesn't matter that he was the Giants' number one prospect. doesn't matter that he was part of that whole Super Tuesday with Matt Harvey. Does it matter that the Mets viewed him as part of the core? That's not who he is in reality right now. So let's not make Zach Wheeler out to be more than he is. And if anybody knows, back in the day when I used to have my own blog, NY Baseball Dodgers, when that trade was made, which is a good trade because Beltran was going to walk and the Mets weren't going to sign him, I said, Zach Wheeler's mechanics are bad. Zach Wheeler's going to be injury prone. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happened. Unfortunately, when he was healthy, it was pretty decent. Not great, but decent. When the Mets could have used that, they were a bad baseball team. But anyway, I digress. The rule that the Mets have to put together as an organization is that Worth in the pitching coach, Terry Collins, the pitchers, unless it's a surgery-related or something that really has become news where a pitcher walks off the mound and you know, is holding his arm and he left the start early, let's not report or talk about every ache and pain because it's going to become a distraction. The pitchers are going to allow the media to get in their head, and the story is going to become every day, so-and-so has an ache and pain. Oh, my God, the season is over. Trust me, the media in this town will bring it to that. That's what they'll do. It used to be that steroids and the steroids era was the big time filler for talk radio and for newspapers. Not anymore. Pitcher's injuries, the narrative. So if I'm the Mets, and I think it was Dan Worth who said, and you got to just stop reporting every ache and pain. Looks good, feels fine. Hey, Zach's not pitching today? Well, you got to have a be honest. You can't lie. But only if it has something of some kind of surgical procedure or a setback that's a real setback, not my arm is hurting. Because I promise you this, and Ron Darling has said this on the broadcast, every pitcher in those 80s Mets, who everybody loves to go back to that staff, had an ache and pain. Aguilera had surgery, Sip Fernandez had timeout, David Cohn got hurt, and I'm sure had aches and pains. Doc Gooden had capsule issues if you go back and look. Darling City had issues. Ojeda had surgery. They all did. Not every aching pain was reported every day. Different era. So that's the first thing, because I don't want to see a headline every day about a Mets pitcher's aching pain and the worry and the speculation and the narrative. We know the health of pitchers is tenuous. We know that the Mets' success is predicated on a healthy starting rotation. That has been the case for every baseball team and will be for this year and for probably every baseball team going forward and every baseball team that has played over 100 plus years prior your starting rotation isn't healthy you're going to lose unless you're very fortunate where you have that much depth and or and or you you could hit the you know what out of the ball which even if you can you're going to lose if you don't have pitching so let's get that out there so that's my thing zach wheeler honestly i'm not counting on him for much and i look at it if i handicap the fifth starter race because now dan Worthen has essentially came out and said that he can't recover quickly between outings, so the bullpen's out. Tells you that his mechanics are so bad, his body's aching like you know what after that. And uh, they're probably going to limit his innings to about a buck twenty-five for the year, one hundred twenty-five. He's going to be a five-inning starter. That's fine. You want to get five innings out of your your fifth starter? You could survive with that. Their bullpen is deep enough for that. And you know what? With Lugo and Gazelman, they could even make those guys kind of the long guys during those starts if they want, or 
Sometimes they say they call it a piggyback where the starter goes three, four innings and you have a second starter. Whatever they want to call it, it doesn't matter to me. You could survive that. However, he has to perform and he has to win the spot. And if Gazelman's better and Gazelman shows that he can go six or seven innings and be a little bit longer in length and give you that plus that much more as a fifth starter, or if it's Lugo, whoever competes and wins and shows the most, then you know where Zach Wheeler's going to pitch his five innings and get his innings up? In the minor leagues. Do that down in Vegas. Or Binghamton, or if you want to start him in the, in the warm weather in St. Lucie and wait till the springtime comes to bring him up to, you know, Binghamton. Or, I don't care. I mean, it's warm in Vegas the whole year, so it doesn't really matter. Whatever they want to do to massage this, it cannot be – this is not about getting Zach Wheeler healthy for the maybe moment that he'll have in his career. It's about winning, and whoever competes and wins the fifth spot should get it. And part of that competition and part of the factors of who wins it should be who could go the longest and be the most effective, and that's probably not going to be Zach Wheeler. So me, I'm not counting on Zach Wheeler and being in this rotation. He'll be there. He'll make starts. He'll, make, he'll get on this team at some point. But don't be surprised if it doesn't happen April 1. So that's my take on, on Wheeler. I'm not trying to be negative on Wheeler. I'm just trying to be cautious. I think it's important for the Mets to handle this well. But it's also important for this to not become a distraction. is such a, a media-driven thing. But it does become annoying. And you don't want these pitchers, just like the radar gun could get into their heads, you don't want the talk of injury, the self-fulfilling prophecy of injury to get into their heads. Finally, a couple other quick things. David Wright, you know, you just don't get a good feeling of what you're reading. Yeah, there's the feel-good story, but, you know, he's, he's making pros. It might be three weeks before he could take the field. Guys, same deal. Mets can't afford. And this, I'm going to be watching this closely. Mets can't afford to have Terry Collins start right on a Lifetime Achievement Award scenario in a, in a season where you're trying to win a pennant and a championship. Can't have it. And I listened to Andy Martino on, WF, on WFAN this past weekend. Even Martino seemed to think that the Mets, although they're publicly saying the right things, deep down I don't think they think that Wright's going to be ready for the season. Even Bob Klappish cryptically tweeted something along those lines. And you wonder, li- you know, listening again to Martino talk about it on the fan, if the Mets even think that Wright's ever going to be able to play again. So this is going down that path. He's DHing. They're going to take it slow. That's fine. But by the second or third week of March, especially the second, if this guy's not able to play the field, Mets have to start to think is, well, Flores is our third baseman. Obviously, Jose Reyes will probably be the third baseman. You know, maybe he's not going to be on the roster right early. Does he go to the 60-day DL and, and get some time down the minor leagues if he wants to continue to try to play? Does that bring T.J. Rivera into the mix? You know, at some point, depending on how things go, you might have to look at do you get a quarter bat with some pop there. That's those are things for longer down the road. But the David Wright situation is 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 headed in in that direction. Um, so that that's with that. But you know, other than that, the only other thing you really have to talk about from these early camp moments is, you know, the pace of game. Rob Manfred's ticked off that the players don't want to play play. You know play into this whole millennialization, I call it, of baseball. They're going to do the intentional walks just by letting somebody go to first base. If that's the, you know, splitting the baby in half to just shut up the millennial crowd I'll talk about, that Manfred's trying to pacify with the pace of game stuff, give it to them. You don't want to start doing drastic changes to the game. Uh, and I heard, I saw the Tyler Clipper talked about that in the Daily News uh, earlier today. Look, 
If people who don't like baseball don't want to watch baseball because of the length of the game, then don't watch baseball. There's plenty of revenue. I'm not one. Look, I'm, I'm, my life is about – you know, my real life, the way I make a living is about sales and customer service and, and servicing the customer and, and listening to the customer. So be it far from me to tell the customer to go to hell. But at some point, you have to understand who you are and who the core customers are. And, I, and, and yes, games do drag, and there are a lot of annoying things about baseball. But if you're a baseball fan, that's part of being a baseball fan. If I wanted a two-hour and ten-minute game, I'd watch the NBA. I'd watch college basketball. You know, for everyone, how much they love the NFL. The NFL is about as slow as it gets. You have very little action. You have a lot of replays. You know, a lot of speculation by announcers, and very little action. You know, I'm really glad that the Players Association pushed back, and I know Manfred wants to put his stamp on the game, and it is important to keep things going. But you know what? The easiest way to keep things going is cut the commercials out. But nobody wants to cut the revenue out. You can stop at the fiddling in the batter's box. There's a lot of little things. But overall, the way the game is now, because the batters are more patient, uh, the athletes are better, you know, they, they're taking more pitches. They're able to hit with two strikes. The, the, the philosophy and the mindset and the training of the hitters has been to go deep into counts since the money ball era. That's what's the way it's going to be unless you decide to, like Steve Phillips, what a proposal. Here's what you could do then. Three balls, two strikes. Two strikes, you're out. Three balls, you walk. Now you're drastically changing the complexion of the game. Is that what we want? Again, to recruit, you know, half dozen millennials who are not going to even stay for the full game because they're going to go to Shake Shack and hang out with their friends and take selfies over by the wiffle ball field. Let's get real. So anyway, uh, that's where I'm at. So I thought that was some interesting takeaways from the first couple of weeks of camp here. Let me take a quick break. When I return, Matt Ehalt of The Record will join me. We'll talk to Matt and, and get into uh, the Mets and what he's seen down in Port St. Lucie. Big announcement, Rats, well, but let me get to this too. Big announcement, Sunday, Sunday, which is uh, February 26th, right? Yeah, it's February 26th, 6 o'clock, we'll do our first, first since the offseason, our first regular season live Metsmarized Online community call-in show. I'll do my brief little monologue, depending on what's happened since then. Mets obviously played their first game on Friday, and then we'll do the call-in show uh, right after that. Going to stay on the air till about 7, maybe a little bit past 7, and uh, take your calls. You'll also have Joe D over at MetsMorizedOnline.com, maybe take some questions. So if you want me to read some questions, I'll put it up there. But ultimately, what I want to do is see what you think about this team. So I'm going to ask Matt Aholt in a couple of minutes when he gets on what he thinks about this team. I told you so far what I think about the team. Let me hear what you think come Sunday. So prepare for that, hoping to uh, hear from you, hoping to not only hear from the regulars that have participated in the first couple of live call-in shows that we've done, but maybe somebody new, even if you want to email it in, which you could also email me. And you know what? I also have a Gmail address, so I always give you the msilva126 at AOL.com, and everyone makes fun of it because, you know, who has an AOL address, which I don't care. You guys, you know, you could send it at msilva126 at gmail.com. I always have that. I didn't create it because you guys made fun of it. I had it all the time. It's just, it's just so easy to keep the AOL one because I've had it for a billion years. So anyway, uh, enough about that. Let me take a quick break. When I return, we will have Matt Eholt of The Record joining me live from Port St. Lucie to give us the latest of what's going on in Mets camp and I guess of what I could call the Talking Mets Grapefruit League edition of the podcast. We'll be back right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. 
If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back. Talking Mets podcast, and I'm joined by Matt Eholt from The Record. You guys know him. He's the Mets beat reporter over on Twitter, at Matt Eholt. Matt, uh, Mike Silva here. How's it uh, going down in uh, sunny Florida? How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for doing this. And uh, could you give us the vibe of, of Mets camp? What's been the vibe? Obviously, a lot of positives coming out. Uh, Mets seem to be talking the talk. But, you know, compare this to last year. How, how's the vibe compare so far, a week or so in, uh, compared to maybe last year with this team? I would actually say it's been a little bit more relaxed here just because last year they were riding high and, you know, you had the car show, you had everything. It's been much more business-like this time. There really has not been uh, that much. I mean, it's the same new t- uh, same team. There's really not – I mean, there's nobody really new to talk to in that clubhouse. So it, it, it's been um, – I, I would say it seems there's a little bit more focus per se than there was last year. That, I think that's a fair assessment. Obviously, uh, there is some big stories here, and, and today you uh, you pointed out that everybody breathed a big sigh of relief on Zach Wheeler. Uh, I think this is going to be one of those stories where everything may be blown out of proportion. Uh, you called it a big day for Zach Wheeler uh, on Twitter. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, certainly he, you know, um, he did what he needed. You know, he did the up and down session uh, of throwing with the bullpen which is a big thing. He threw about 30 pitches, you know, stopped in between, threw a second session. And, hey, with this guy, they're going to have to take it very slow. They know that. And after everything he's gone through, for him to take steps forward, those are big things for him. So, you know, they have to be cautious. You know, uh, you know, people, I don't think you can just assume right now this guy is going to get back right for opening day. It's going to be the same pitcher he has. You know, there's still a real long way ahead for him to get to where he needs to be. You also mentioned uh, Travis Darno. I know there's been a lot of talk about David Wright. Are, are those two other guys that you're looking at? Are those two storylines that you're looking at throughout this uh, spring? Or and if not, what are what are some of the other storylines that you're tracking and you're looking to, you know, maybe explore a little bit more? Well, obviously the pitchers are the are the biggest thing. I mean, when you look at you know that collection, can they stay healthy? That's going to be the biggest thing. But certainly, Darno is an interesting thing because you know Darno is starting to creep up towards thirty. You know, he struggled to stay healthy. I mean, I, the most amount of games he's played in his career in one season is one hundred and eight. So he's struggling. He struggled at times. You know, fluky or not, to stay healthy and. You know, the Mets, uh, you know, they took a gamble not going out and getting a guy. I mean, I'm not saying that I, I think they should have gone out and gotten, uh, you know, Matt Wieters. I, I, I personally think the Mets were smart not to invest in that. Um, but, you know, the Mets are sticking with him, and he's got to prove. I mean, remember, Rene Rivera last year was starting over Darno at the end of the season, and, 
if you're the Mets, you need to be able to have your best guy out there day in and day out. I mean, this is a really big season for, for Darno because, I mean, if he struggles, you're going to get to a point where you're going to wonder, I mean, what kind of can the Mets commit to this guy for the long term? That's a fair point. Uh, I have with me Matt Eholt from the record Mets beat reporter. David Wright, it seems like you can't get a feel of of, of where David Wright's at. You know, I, uh, you know, everyone's going to obviously talk positive. We know what the long-term ramifications is what, of what he has. Um, but when you hear he's making throws and it might be two to three weeks before he gets into the game and you know the severity of his injury, I, I know it's early and everybody likes him and everyone's rooting for him. But you got to feel that this is probably going down the maybe not the worst possible path, but maybe not the path where everybody would want, which is the happy ending. You know, I, I certainly think everybody in that organization is rooting for David Wright to get back to where he was. They want him to be healthy. So it's certainly going to be interesting to, to see what he does and how they're going to keep him healthy. I mean, you know, uh, they're going to certainly have to give him a lot of days off this upcoming season to try. And, you know, it, it, obviously with his throwing, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, does he uh, does the strength fully return there? You know, the Mets certainly, this is a guy, you know, they want him in their lineup. He wants to be out there. It's just, you know, is his body going to cooperate? Were you surprised that there were, uh, you know, obviously the news that came out that the Mets are looking at maybe extending Neil Walker. Now, I know that there, uh, there are reports that that's not even close to happening. I was a little surprised because obviously he's coming back from a, a, an injury, maybe not an injury that's as serious as David Wright, but it is a back injury. And you would think that maybe this is jumping the gun a little bit because you want to see what he can, uh, you know, how he's recovered and what have you. What are your thoughts on that? Do you have any information on that? And, and where do you see that going? I mean, last I had heard was that the, the two sides were not close. I mean, I, I look at it personally that I would want to see the guy play. That's me, though. But certainly, you know, the Mets have access to the medical files. They have the doctors. I mean, you know, he, he had a surgery that is not anything that is that out of the ordinary. I mean, you know, that happens. And, you know, so I personally, I would have liked to have seen him play before you extend the guy. But, um, you know, then again, it, it might not come to fruition. And, you know, it's going to be something the Mets are going to have to, you know, keep an eye on. I mean, with so many of these guys, I mean, that's really the one thing with the Mets is this team has a lot of talent, but there is a lot of question marks with regards to health up and down the lineup. And look, they're all in. I mean, the difference I think you mentioned it earlier. It's a, it's a, it's a more of a, a you know, maybe there's not as much stress in one way because they're not defending something this year. But if you listen to Terry Collins, if you listen to Sandy Alderson, the difference to me is that they're actually putting their chips to the center of the table. Not that they didn't last year, but there was more talk. Well, we need to take it easy. There was a long season. I almost feel like they, they now feel they're in a better position to compete, even though they went to the World Series two years ago. They feel better, or at least publicly they're talking about, they feel better about this team. I, well, I personally, I mean, you know, I, I, told, I said, uh, you know, I have told people, I think this is the best roster the Mets have had, and I think it's the best one they're going to have for the next few years. So I think this is the team. Uh, you know, obviously you don't always win with your best team, but, you know, this is the best team I think the Mets are going to field this year and, and possibly for the next few years. I mean, it's really when you look at it, where's the weakness on this team, uh, you know, besides health? I mean, again, like I said, we, we can have – we can have a discussion all day about whether or not the team's going to stay healthy or not. Um, but, you know, I mean, the catching position, that might be the one spot you say that, uh, that they're weak. Uh, you know, I mean, this team really has everything you look for. What 
I mean, you know about the, there's obviously the Conforto uh, situation as maybe a positional battle. Uh, TJ Rivera, I know we talked about Darno. That's not really a positional battle. I'd be shocked. I mean, you'd have to have a really bad spring for Rivera to, to take the starting job. Are there positional battles that you're watching? What are some of those storylines that you're looking at and maybe keeping an eye on? Is it the Conforto? Is it, is it maybe TJ Rivera? Um, I don't know if he has a shot to make the team. You know, I'm trying to piece together that back half of the roster. And it could go a number of ways, and I think Conforto plays a lot into that. Well, certainly. I mean, when you look at it, though, there really isn't it. The, the bullpen, I mean, maybe what they do with the backup situation, if David Wright's not healthy, there really aren't any battles on this team. I mean, they've made it clear Jay Bruce is the starter. They, they have really not entertained the idea that this is a competition. It's Jay Bruce's job. And, you know, obviously injuries or something could change into this. I think the interesting thing with Conforto is going to be, obviously, how does he play and how does that factor into the team's thinking? Because if you're the Mets, obviously, uh, you know, this guy is super talented. I mean, you, you saw a few years ago what he did. So this guy, he can be that type of bat in the middle of your lineup. But the question is, is it better to get him at bats every day in the minor leagues, or is it better to have him in the majors in a bench role? Yeah, one name that was interesting, I know Dan Worthen brought him up, was Ben Rowan, you know, submarine type of guy. You also uh, have seen some stories on Tom Gorzolani, who's dropping down a la Pedro Feliciano from the left, left side. Is there is there a guy like that, or maybe in the bullpen, maybe a Robles doesn't have a good spring? Could you see a guy or a pitcher like that? Maybe, and again, these are such, for a good team, these are such minor storylines, but it's interesting to see maybe someone like that that you wouldn't think have an impact, and all of a sudden they have a great spring, and there you go. You have someone that becomes an important piece, maybe in the bullpen or the bench or what have you. It wouldn't surprise me if you see Gorzolani uh, just because of his track record. I mean, you know, obviously Wilk is there, you know, uh, Rowan, the submarine guy. I mean, if you look the last few years, the Mets have taken guys like a Kyle Farnsworth, a Jose Valverde, a Jim Henderson. They've taken them out of camp. So, uh, you know, it would not surprise me. And obviously they're going to have the extra spot available with Jerry Familia, uh likely to be suspended. So it, it really wouldn't surprise me if they take one of those guys and they give them a, a chance to see how it goes. What do you feel about Curtis Granderson in center field for 140 games plus? Uh, it, it, to quote Joe Girardi, it's not what you want, but um, <laughs> he, he, there's just no better alternative, I, I, I don't think. Uh, you know, he, he right now you have to trust him uh, more than you have to trust, uh, you know, Michael Conforto. And then when you go beyond that, Juan Lagares just has not proven he's an everyday player in the major leagues. Uh, you know, I get some fans who tell me they think, like, I'll start Lagares. Lagares really has not done much to prove that he, you know, should be starting in the major leagues. He had the one, you know, 2014, he had the, the nice year that, you know, he showed the offensive skills. But, you know, I was looking back on it today when looking. In, you know, in 2014, Juan Lagares' OPS plus was 102 which means he was barely above average, you know, offensively. The last two years, 79, 81, and 80. So, yes, the defense is elevates him, but offensively he just he really does not give you enough to warrant a starting spot. Last thing before I let you go, I know one of the things, not Mets-related, that has been in the news is about the pace of play. I know that there's been some disappointment about the cooperation from the players, and Tyler Clippert over in Yankees camp talked about that. Was there any reaction over in Mets camp about what, uh, I guess, some view as the commissioner's office trying to maybe eventually impose some uh, rules that it seems like the Players Association, the players themselves, just want nothing to do with? 
No, really, it was a rather uh, you know quiet day on the on that front. I mean, the one thing about it is, you know, when you look, at it, the attention of walk is really not going to change the game that much. I mean, you know, you're, you're speeding up the game a little bit here and there until they do something, you know, they're drastic. I mean, you know, if they move the strike zone or something, then then that'll be reason to, you know, that'll affect the players. You know, the, the intentional walk thing, I mean, except for maybe the one guy who, you know, maybe can't throw it uh, that well, it, it's really not going to be that much of an issue. So what do you have coming up? Any art? I know you had the Wheeler article. You, you, you went into the whole Travis Darno situation. What else do you have coming up in the next couple of days, weeks, so on and so forth? Well, it'll be interesting, you know, once the games start, uh, you know, obviously you'll have some action there. You're getting closer with some of the guys pitching. Uh, you know, the one guy I'm really intrigued to see the next few uh, days, uh, or I should say weeks, is Ahmed Rosario. You know, finally get a chance to see him in action. Obviously, it's hard to do that during the regular season, but we'll get a chance, you know, I mean, actually on Friday might get a chance to see him. Because, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Friday is not going to be a game if you want to see the best starters play. Uh, it does not seem that's going to be a trip. You're going to see any of the, the main guys. I mean, that's going to be a game you could see Conforto. You could see, you know, Rosario, some of those guys. Not saying that those guys don't have talent, but, you know, Cespedes and all those guys, they're not getting on the bus. But Rosario, I'm actually really intrigued to see. I really have not had a chance to watch him uh, on a daily basis. So I'm really intrigued to see what kind of, uh, what he can bring to the table. I mean, especially now that he's a consensus top five guy. I mean, you compare him to a Dominic Smith, there's a lot of variety in the rankings on Dominic Smith. It seems, you know, some people think he's great. Some people think that he's an okay prospect. So, you know, there's there's some variance. While on the other hand, with uh, Ahmed Rosario, it, you know, right now it says that he's going to be an absolute stud. So I'm really intrigued to see, you know, how he plays. Well, we're looking forward to uh, catching up with you throughout the spring and the season and, and following you on Twitter. And uh, thanks a lot for doing this. And uh, enjoy the nice weather down there. And we'll we'll talk again soon, okay, my friend? All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. And that's Matt Eholt of The Record, Matt at Matt Eholt on Twitter. And interesting stuff. So we got a chance to get an early spring perspective from a Mets beat writer. We'll continue to check in. With those down at Port St. Lucie, we'll continue to have those reports. And uh, remember, like I said in the open, the big show this Sunday, we'll do our first call-in show, 6 o'clock Sunday night. That's the time. We're going to go 6 to 7. I might do a few, depending on the reaction, we may do a little overtime. I don't like to keep those too long. you got to keep in mind that people like to listen to this on replay. So uh, keep in mind, so Sunday we'll do our first live call-in. We'll kick off the spring with your thoughts. What you like to see from this team? What are you looking at? A lot of the things I asked Matt, I'm going to ask you or ask you to bring in and see what your thoughts are. So it'll be very interesting to hear the MetsmerizedOnline.com community's ideas about what they want to see from this Mets team, how they feel. Are they as optimistic as maybe Terry Collins? Are you as optimistic as Terry Collins, Sandy Alderson? Are you all in? Do you feel this is a championship team? So if you're not going to be positive now in February, before the games start, let me tell you, it's all downhill from there. But anyway, in all seriousness, I want to thank everybody for joining me in this special midweek edition of the Talking Mets podcast. Of course, I want to thank Matt Eholt of the record, at Matt Eholt on Twitter. You can check out the show all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet, at Mike Silva Media, and I am also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Let me know if there's one I'm not on. I'll try to get there. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your night. 
See you on Sunday, 6 o'clock, live Pollen Show. Be there. Take care. Be safe. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.